0: Hello, JPMC, and welcome back to Life Happens. My name is Kate Cadet, and each month in this podcast, we get to hear from real-life employees about their real-life stories, the good, the bad, and the unexpected. Along the way, we hope to show that if you're experiencing something challenging in your own life, chances are you won't be the only one, and there may be ways the firm can help. In this month's episode, we're talking about adoption. Adoption. We're sitting in London today and on the line to Laura Turlington, an executive director in the CCB's talent development team in Jacksonville, Florida. Welcome, Laura. Thanks so much for being with us. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Laura, you and your husband have adopted three children over the years from three different countries. How did you first arrive at the decision to adopt?
1: So our decision to adopt was influenced from watching a special about adoption um, and we found that the decision that had been kind of back and forth over a few years was suddenly um, like a light bulb went off, and we just decided that was what we wanted to do. So we started the paperwork shortly thereafter.
0: How long ago was that?
1: 15, uh, 16 years ago. Yeah, so, um, and so yeah, we've been married. Uh, we're actually going on 24 years right now. And so a few years in, both of us kind of leapfrogging in our careers and um, very, much into travel and doing what we're doing. So the process of, you know, deciding to start a family was a challenging one. The adoption and decision was not. It was very much a, yes, that makes sense. Let's do it.
0: So when you've come to that decision, I can imagine there are, there's a huge amount that you don't know. So where did you start? So the
1: research process, and and I'm very much um, an analytical person. Anyone who works with me or knows me will say um, I can overanalyze sometimes. So the research was heavy. It was in a different timeframe. It's not as much information available today as I think, you know, we were running into um, 15, 16 years ago. And ultimately, we looked um, locally first, um, looked at foster to adopt programs um, domestically around our area. And in the process of doing some of the classes, just had to come to some realizations about what we were okay with, what we weren't okay with. And the thought of starting to fall in love with a child and having the process fall apart um, or be changed because the parents still had rights was more than I could do um, locally through the Foster to Adopt program at the time. So we found ourselves looking at international adoption.
0: And where did you wind up first?
1: I wasn't old enough to adopt. Um, in some of the bigger countries when we first started the process. You had to be 30. I wasn't 30 yet. And so when we went to adopt, we said, we just want to do this. We don't care. Boy, girl, where is there the most need? And that's where we want to go. And we did find an agency that was actually with a law firm. For me, that was a big piece because I wanted it to be legal. I guess there was a lot of stories about um, corruptions or adoptions and so I was very nervous about that component of it. And in looking at the international adoption process they said you're not old enough to adopt from China. China was one of the biggest programs at the time but you can go to Russia and Russia is another big country with lots of adoptions so that's where we went. We actually specifically said we did not need to adopt. Um, a baby. You have to narrow down your path. Otherwise an agency can't help you. That was very difficult. And so we said toddler. And so, um, from process of filing, I think our paperwork was final in January for our first daughter. Um, it was about October when we were matched with her. So we went a long process of kind of waiting and, um, then told we would be traveling pretty soon. However, that process kept getting delayed month over month. So it was March uh, before we actually had travel clearance to um, go get her.
0: And did you get to spend time with her before the adoption was official?
1: We had a video when we were matched with her. And so um, I was actually driving to work and it was one of those things where the agency called and said, you've been matched we have information you can read about this child you have about 24 hours or we at the time to accept or decline and i couldn't decide if it was quicker for me to go home or go to work so i went to work so my work family at the time went through the whole (laughs) process and all of my my crazy emotions that went with it and there were a couple pictures afterwards with updates we went about four months delayed without a lot of information before we actually were told we could go get her. And so we had a couple hours um, over a couple days where we would go visit. Small little tiny room in the orphanage, um, crammed in with another family. And that was our uh,
0: our visits before we went to court to officially adopt her. You mentioned your work family. When at what point did you share with work either your colleagues or your manager or HR that this was yeah. something you were doing?
1: I worked for an amazing lady um, at the time, and so we we were we were very upfront about the process from a, a work from a friend's perspective and coworker perspective. It varied a little bit. I would say, you know, there were a couple of people who had a lot of the information. As we got delayed, it got to the point where people stopped asking because I couldn't talk about it. It was the most frustrating lack of ability to control anything in your life time frame. And so people would kind of tentatively ask and then stop asking because there was no information to give. And um, so it made a big difference to have people know that at work and not have
0: to um, tiptoe. I can imagine how long and complicated and expensive this process is, and there are probably a lot of people in our JPMC community who may be considering it, who may be going through it themselves. Was it what you expected? How did you and your husband handle it together?
1: I don't know what I expected, and I'll say having you know three adoptions now, each process was different. Our first adoption... I was hungry for information, and to the point, I would call the agency and say, "I don't care, you know what you have to tell me. I need a status, even if the status is there is no status." Information was key, and there wasn't a lot of it flowing. Some of the information was wrong. So what we, you know, thought um, as you know, this little girl who was she was almost three years old when she came home. She was 32 months, and. Was malnourished, was very petite. She was wearing, I was just saying this to someone the other day, was wearing a size 12 month clothes at 32 months. But the day we took her back to the hotel and she was ours, was giggling and laughing and we were playing horse, right? Like where you kind of, you know, bounce them around and <laughs> just amazing the difference of a little bit of attention and care. And so the process of coming home, you know, she was um, almost, what, 16-hour time zone difference. So we slept when she slept, just like you would with a newborn. We played when she played. We ate when she ate, you know, and you go through a process. It was a good month where we probably cut out a ton of the outside world just to make her feel comfortable. Um, in the process of it, my husband was, um, had actually been laid off as a job, so he was able to help take care of her. And when we started to look at schools, found out that she had severe um, separation anxiety. So um, the biggest arrangement we had to go through was deciding he was gonna stay home. And so it throws all your finances, which were already strapped because of the adoption and and the flights cost as much as anything else to um, get there and then get home. And we were there for almost three weeks. In Russia with her.
0: So you were you were three weeks in there, and in, the, in the actual adoption process, and getting her out of the country and bringing her home. What did you arrange with work? So at, at the time, um, and I'll say one of the mo- more frustrating components was we
1: qualified for you know family medical leave, and so there, and definitely had saved up a ton of my vacation time for all of it um, because I hadn't given birth. I didn't qualify for full maternity leave and at the time and so definitely a lot of that has changed over the years which is a tremendous thing i became quite the advocate for um, the fact that you need to bond as an adoptive parent they need that time um, as much as a newborn um, would if not if not sometimes more depending on the age that they come home i had an agreement with my boss where i would kind of phase myself back in and work part-time and so um, i had the ability to flex my hours to do kind of an ease back in And so as she needed um, both of her parents, we were able to do that. The group that I worked for at the time was amazing. The woman I worked for at the time was amazing. My team was very supportive, um, you know, through the baby shower. And there was a lot of excitement and energy around the process. Um, and they all knew how long of a process it had been. And I say this, of course, you know, um, <laughs> all the pain fades. That's what I hear um, about childbirth. I, th- I think it's the same with, with adoption sometimes. you know. So now as I look back on it, it's the happy memories. It's not really the frustration pieces that stand out.
0: Well, you were willing to do it two more times too. We did it again and again. <laughs> Tell us about your, so your first child is a girl from Russia. What about your other two? my oldest is is now 17
1: um from russia from stockling russia which was i said uh part of the country we didn't know existed far east right above japan little island area um so that was a very different experience after um, a couple years i started thinking i want to do this again so i started researching and there's an amazing um, set of websites. And, um, at the time there were different, um, you know, like blog groups that you could join to research. So I started the research agencies first. And in the process of this, I actually came across and I was sending out inquiries. Where do you, you know, what countries do you work with? Um, are they Hague accredited, which is a big thing when you're talking about international adoption, and someone sent me back a profile for a little girl that I had inquired. It was like, I, I saw your profile. Give me some information about your agency. But they sent me back this little girl's profile. And my husband came home that day and I said, okay, we were just talking about adopting again. But there's this profile of this little girl and she's ours. So
0: that was it. And where is she from? She's from Guatemala. Right. So. Right. Yeah. And then you... Have a, a boy, too, yeah. who you adopted from China. Right. So, right. <laughs> so we, we joke in our family that we
1: adopted our oldest. Um, she adopted our second daughter because we, went, we took her with us. When we went to Guatemala, it was a family affair. Technically, she was old by Guatemalan adoption standards because she was already a year and a half when we got matched with her. Um, most of the children from Guatemala were um, under a year and i did go to guatemala for her second birthday and in the process like shortly thereafter the guatemalan process started to slow down just before it closed we got her in june so she had just she was um 26 27 months old when we got her and so it was a hard process and we spent two years with just the girls before i even thought about it again and it was actually um, a change in the company policy that said there was um, not only, you know, a ton of great flexibility in um, for parents, but there was some financial reimbursement um, along with adoption credits through taxes and that kind of stuff. So started to think maybe this is feasible. Maybe this is something we should do if we're going to um, consider another adoption. This is a good time to do it. And I started researching again. And... There were, there'd been a lot of changes in international adoption at the time. And we thought, I need, I need tried and true. I, I need a program that has worked in China. It was the longest standing, um, had the most experience. And he was four and a half years old and felt like it was this little person who was being looked over because he wasn't a baby anymore. He wasn't even a toddler. You know, he's barely a toddler. He's this rambunctious little kid. And that was the, um, Quickest decision, I guess, in the scheme of um, a long time getting there, and he was, his adoption was the shortest. Um, it was probably eight to nine months, start to finish.
0: Right. So now you have a house full of teenagers.
1: Yes. Well, so we in, in <laughs> I have, I have, American teenagers. <laughs> well, very, very much so. Um, fully, fully embedded. They're little Florida babies. Love the beach. So,
0: for all the people listening who might be considering adoption or even going through the process, do you have any advice for them?
1: I think that my advice is, it's an amazing thing to be able to do. I was so, and still am tickled by who these little people are, right? And the chance to be their mother. Um, Don't go in with any preconceived notions. No one can tell you what it looks like. Um, The experience is unique. Each of the adoptions was unique. So even in that process, You know, number one, number two, and number three didn't look the same. And our process to get there wasn't the same. But you have to be really honest with yourself about what you can handle and what you can't. So with the three children, um, you know, that we have that made up our family, three different countries, uh, three different stories, we try to make them proud of who they are and what their, their background is. But, you know, there are challenges that have come as they've grown up as well. So my son has recently been diagnosed on the spectrum, and you know that can happen to anyone, biological or not. So the best we can do it at any given time is just you know find the best answer for them, and continue to evaluate. So and, I, and that's what I think about adoption. It's it's however you get there, it's an amazing thing, and it doesn't stop once they're matched or once they're home, because then it's just life, it's just family and. At any given day someone is crazy in my house and if it's not them it's sometimes me
0: so yes <laughs> I was going to ask you as as they are growing up and they are getting older, are they more curious about where they come from and their origins and are they are they interested in finding out about the families that they may have back in in their countries? yeah um, the conversation around biological parents is, It evolves,
1: right, depending on their age, depending on, um, I think, what's going on. We all had to do family projects at school, and their family, you know, they'll put in their adoption stories about where they're from. They're pretty proud about that. It's part of our um, home culture. They're also very proud about their adoption days. I think we've tried to set the stage as they get older that we will take them back if they want to visit. And, um, but the, the information we have on their biological families differs depending
0: on the adoption. Got it. Well, that brings us to the end of the episode. Thank you so much, Laura, for talking to us today. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in. And I hope you'll join us next time on Life Happens.